Hi, everybody. You are listening to the Encounter Mercy podcast. Uh, you are listening to A.J. Gedney and Brother Barnabas. Hey. The Order of St. Benedict. Uh, we are back on campus, kind of doing our own thing. So, uh, Brother Barnabas, good to see you. Good to be back. Uh, how was your break? Yeah, man. Good to see you, too. My break was good. It um, was long, kind of like summer break, but in the wintertime. Uh, so, yeah, I think after this first week of getting back in the swing of things, I'm like back to normal, but... I was dreading like kind of returning to, you know, because I love being a monk. So I was able to like go full send on the monk thing, just be quiet and not do too much human interaction. But uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's kind of jarring uh, meals now because, you know, the seminarians would go through the line to the college cafeteria, go eat in our own dining room. Is the first day, it was overwhelming because for all of break, I'd either eat alone or with the priest I live with, my pastor. So it would just be the two of us. And all of a sudden, it's like all these people yeah. are now involved with, you know, meals. So that, it was kind of chaotic. And I think uh, a couple nights ago, I worked out and then went to go eat. And I was like alone in our refectory, which was nice. So it, it's, it's funny what you get used to in a couple in a couple months. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like the hardest thing is simply just like the periods of transition, you know, even like the couple days going into like, all right, now I got to move my schedule around and stuff. But um yeah, man. Good to be podcasting. I miss Andy and Vince, Father Andy and Vince, but it's cool to kind of do this from Latro PA here in the seminary. We should call this like seminary talk. Encounter Mercy Seminary Talk. Maybe not. I think I called it like this is the satellite campus. Oh, like the branch campus. Yeah. <laughs> the Encounter branch campus. Mercy branch campus. Yeah. Or it's always like that, uh, the newscaster, like you have the anchors here in the studio and then the guy who like, goes out, but he's in like terrible weather to like, all right, Dave to you, you know, it's like, we have a category three hurricane. <laughs> it's like, that's like us. Cause we're not, we're not good enough to be in the studio yet. So they sent us out to middle of nowhere <laughs> to report on that. We're just on the outpost here, getting mercy to those who are far away. So the thing is, AJ, that I'm realizing though, is it's weird that we just started the semester, but it's already like the middle of February. This is Valentine's Day. Yeah. Um, that we're recording this. I'm not sure if we're, you know, supposed to reveal what day we do this if it goes out there. Anyway, um, but like next month is March. And um, believe it or not, I'm pretty sure you're getting ordained a deacon in that month, correct? Yeah, the 27th. That's crazy, dude. It's coming up on real quick. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're just taking classes right now and learning how to, how to deacon. And you're already going to be one. So yeah. how do you feel about that? Uh, I'm pretty excited. It's going to be, um, I'm really looking forward to like doing more in the liturgy and like administering the sacraments. Because uh, actually the day of your diaconate ordination, I have to go back home to witness vows for a wedding uh, uh, for a childhood friend of mine. Wait, so you're not coming to my ordination? No. Bro. I was, it was so sad. I was like, what's your ordination? Oh, yeah, May 22nd. <laughs> like, no. Of all the days, like <laughs> I, have to, I have to do something that day. Maybe... Um... Maybe you can learn how to bilocate, right? Or maybe you can do the Luke Skywalker thing. You know, did you see the last Star Wars movie where he like force generated himself in another location? Oh, yeah. And so my goal here was to do some type of Star Wars drop, and I just did it. So, man, that was, really, that that, was too easy. No, that was, that was really good. Um, So anyway, w- with that, though, AJ, like we've done different stuff like, you know, take on the office of – lector and then acolyte and stuff like that and i've done my own religious vows and things like that but what is it that happens like what makes what makes a man go from just being some dude to then being a deacon like what what are the 
what's the formula what's the process what you know what, what's going to happen to you yeah so um for those who don't know for both priestly and uh, diaconate ordinations you are asked to do a canonical retreat so i think it's like uh, four to five days um and you do it six months before your ordination just to kind of reflect and look forward and prepare yourself so brother barnabas and i were on retreat uh, the annual winter seminary retreat a couple weeks ago and in the past i know that whoever the retreat leader was would bring the promises and prayers of the ordination right um, and i think for me i printed this off and kind of prayed with them and reflected on them because if you want to get to the heart of what this ministry is it's going to be in the prayers that the bishop says because mm-hmm. like those words are efficacious words when he lays his hands on you um when you make promises in front of him in front of the whole you know the whole church essentially those prayers are efficacious. Like something happens. Efficacious. Yeah. That's that's like spelling bee quality word right there. Yeah. What does that even mean? Um, it, it produces a desired effect. Ooh. So uh, I've heard uh, I've heard it said that in a, in a marriage, the uh, bride and the groom, they speak that word, I do, and it creates something. Mm. It's like a life-giving word. Something new is formed. Now there's a bond formed between them. Yeah. So the same thing with or- ordination is... You know, we will make promises, the bishop will lay his hands on us, and that creates a new relationship. You know, now we are, we're going to act in the place of Christ. Uh, we are now, um, you know, uh, a fellow son of the bishop, who's our spiritual father, who's the father of the diocese. And so I like I like those uh, connections between like the marriage and the ordination rite is we give our consent. And that's like what creates uh, that bond. You know what? Um one example I'm thinking of that might be interesting to consider is uh, the example of like when a police officer says you're under arrest. <laughs> like that's a pretty efficacious. Like when he says that, a new reality has happened. You know, like so like you know these words are tied to some type of proper authority. Mm-hmm. You know, so like the bishop is the proper authority to do that. Police, like when the police officer told me a couple of years ago, you have a speeding ticket. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then later that very same week, when another police officer said, you have another speeding ticket, that was a bad week. <laughs> um, yeah, that there's something about like God has given proper authority to these guys who are bishops. And you know, quick side note, tangent, we just got uh, a new bishop here in Greensburg Diocese, um, Bishop Lawrence Kulik. And correct me if I'm wrong, AJ, but there's not just like one bishop that ordains him, right? There's like two backup guys that just make, like I think there's three there total. Yeah, I think one automatically is the Metropolitan Archbishop, mm-hmm. right? So uh, for here, that's the uh, Archdiocese of Philadelphia, right? That's that's your provincial. So he he's there. And then I think they can just kind of choose two others. Um, but, but they had to do with this area. One was Bishop Lawrence Brandt, who is the Bishop Emeritus. And one was the previous Bishop, um, Edward Malesic, who's now the Bishop of Cleveland. So he, oh, was he that? Did he do it too? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah, it, yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Uh, Chris Poodle sent me a picture of Bishop Brandt, Bishop Malesic, and Bishop Kulik. Like oh, wow. they're all in their, you know, their future Catholics. Uh, so I thought it was pretty cool. It's like the fourth, fifth, and sixth bishops of the diocese. Dude, that's just a great little picture of uh, you know this thing that we're entering into called apostolic succession. You know that like this line of ordination is tied back to the apostles and Christ Himself. Yeah. So anyway, not to get too far down. Stream back to diaconate stuff. Yeah, well, well, let me touch on something okay. you said, kind of like with the, the policemen or let's say a judge uh, gives a verdict is they've been given authority and those words have 
uh, in effect. Like they have a, they, it places a burden on you. Yeah. So then it's like, oh, this has changed my state of freedom when I say, you know, you're under arrest. Uh, but when you said authority, it goes back to apostolic succession. Mm-hmm. So I could take my bishop and theoretically, I could trace his lineage back to one of the apostles because mm-hmm. they're the successor of the apostles. And who are the apostles uh, sent out by? Jesus. Yeah. So th- that's the cool thing too, is you're participating in that. You know, we call the bishops the successor of the apostles. Um, so they've been given that authority to ordain. You know, someone recently asked me, like, is there like a sort of like, a, you know, document somewhere of all this stuff? Like who ordained this guy? That You know, I'm like, man, I don't know. Maybe there's something in the Vatican library file. But, you know, if you're listening to this and you want to make a boatload of money, you should create the apostolic succession ancestry.com. <laughs> you can like check your pastor's ordination history all the way back to Christ. That'd be pretty dope. I don't know how to do that, but people smarter than I can do a lot of things that I cannot do. Yeah. Yeah, cool. So um, I have some of the prayers from uh, the rite of ordination. Uh, we were talking before. It's interesting. You are already a celibate. You took solemn vows um, two, a year and a half ago. Yipper. Um, So you are already a celibate. That's right. So that's the difference between us. You made your vow of obedience to your uh, your ordinary, I guess, for... No, just to your abbot, your superior. Yep. So you've done that. So you're already kind of doing the evangelical counsels, poverty, chastity, and obedience. You got it. Um, so I have yet to take the promise of celibacy. Um, there's tons of jokes in there, like I can still go get go get married, but uh, but Brother Barnabas cannot. Um, but the prayers here are really cool. Um, so let me just read the prayer of celibacy. Awesome. Uh, so the bishop will say, by your own free choice, you seek to enter the order of deacons. You shall exercise this ministry in the celibate state, for celibacy is both a sign and motive of pastoral charity and a special source of spiritual fruitfulness in the world. By living in this state with total dedication, moved by a sincere love for Christ the Lord, you are consecrated to him in a new and special way. By this consecration, you will adhere more easily to Christ with an undivided heart. Mm. You will be more freely at the service of God and mankind, and you will be more untrammeled in the ministry of Christian conversion and rebirth. By your life and character, you will give witness to your brothers and sisters in faith that God must be loved above all else, and it is he that you serve and others. Therefore, I ask you in the presence of God and the church, are you resolved as a sign of your interior dedication to Christ to remain celibate for the sake of the kingdom and in lifelong service to God and mankind? I am so resolved. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... uh my first thoughts with this is it's a sign. And I kind of already knew this too, you know, uh, when Christ in the gospel says in heaven, you know, you and neither given in marriage or married. So we're kind of living that here as a proof of heaven. You know, people are going to say, oh, well, you know, don't you wish you could have gotten married and experienced that love and uh, fruitfulness? But the thing is, yeah, like we could have, but we are celibate remaining in a single state for the sake of heaven. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's something in that prayer that you were reading. I I feel like there's two primary reasons or two primary things in there that the prayer is saying about why the diaconate, in that case, the priesthood, is the celibate state. One is uh, for the service of the church, right? And, you know, kind of like the, the lowest common denominator is like, oh, man, you know, you'll just be like more available to all the people of God rather than, you know, have any 
one in particular that you have primary responsibility for, like a wife and kids. And I think that's a pretty just like valid thing on a practical level to to realize, you know, that your heart is free to love everyone as if they're like the only one. Um, but at the same time, too, the, the next level, the other thing that I think is important in that prayer is that it's uh, for your own relationship to God that in itself, like you're saying, is a witness, you know, so that even if, you know, you don't do any ministry at all, still just like people seeing that people are choosing not to get married, but to basically like dedicate their whole state of life to God is in and of itself efficacious, I guess we'll say. Yeah. Yeah. I love love it when it says, um, by living in the state of celibacy with total dedication, uh, you are consecrated to him, Jesus, in a new and special way. Mm. So now it's like, it's proof. You know, I've been in seminary for, you know, almost five years and still a lay person. I still just serve mass in a Catholic and surplus, but now there's going to be a real sign. Like I'm, I will be consecrated to Christ in a new and special way. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of cool because, you know, my love, our love for the church has probably grown over our years in seminary and there's nothing more that I want to do is than give my life to the church. Yeah. Just kind of like a husband wants to give his life for his wife and family. I want to give my life to the church. And it's saying by doing this like radical and permanent change in my life, it's going to give proof to that. Yeah. So it's kind of like pu- I'm putting uh, the money where my mouth is. I've said all these years, oh, I want to be a priest. I want to do this. So it's really cool and exciting to actually say yes to that promise. Yeah. Let me share a quick story. Um, so as you said before, you know, I'm already vowed lifelong to celibacy through the my religious uh, vows. And, um, you know, I think this is like a couple years ago, so I'm not sure if it was solemn vows or simple vows. But anyway, in simple vows, you still take vow celibacy that, you know, you have to renew. But um, I remember I was at my parents' house in Johnstown, and uh, I left, you know, at like 11 at night to drive back to St. Vincent. You know, it was one of those things where like, you know, I have a long drive to go. Um, and I was just like, man, I should like call somebody to uh, just like catch up and talk a little bit before. But then I realized like, Dude, it's 11 at night, you know, like who's going to pick up the phone at 11 at night to talk to me? And I thought, well, one, like, man, I could probably call like a good buddy of mine, but they're probably all like asleep and get ready for work or like taking care of their kids. And then secondly, I was like, well, man, back, back in the, in the days before the monastery, I'd be like, man, well, maybe I should call like, you know, this girl or that girl that, you know, would like to pick up the phone maybe and talk to me or whatever. Um, but I realized in that moment, you know, even as I was looking through my phone, you know, don't don't text and drive, um, that, that there was really like, you know, there was people that would pick up the phone and say, hey, man, what's going on? Even at 11 at night in my life. So I do have good close friends, both male and female. But just the realization that like, Lord, you know, I can I can talk to you right now and that you are the one who even through my my vow here of celibacy, my relationship with you, that I've said that I. I will rely on for these moments of like, man, I, I need, I need communion with someone. And in that moment I started to pray and I, I said, Lord, like I'm kind of feeling this like celibate thing, you know, like it'd be nice to have someone that's like special waiting for me to give them a call at 11 at night. Like, Hey, I'm on the way home or whatever. But I felt the Lord in that moment as I was driving, I got a lot of good prayer when I'm driving. Hmm. The Lord was like, Hey, listen, you know, marriage is a beautiful vocation. And he was like, I need, people that are willing to live holy and totally sacrificial 
marriage is for the kingdom. He goes, but there are some that I need and that I'm calling to um, basically embrace these moments of what might be considered loneliness for the sake, like on purpose, for the sake of those who experience loneliness that don't choose it, you know, and for, uh, you know, he, he's like, I need some that will embrace the uh, kind of like wanting to like feeling that desire of wanting to have another for the sake of those who, who don't choose that desire, but still have it. You know, how many people are just like, man, lonely desire, love, desire relationships. And like, I think that's the kind of the, one of the, the good, the good dangerous parts of the priesthood and diaconate is we're kind of as celibates like Jedi. They're like, man, we, uh, whenever someone comes and says, father, like, I'm just, I feel like I have nobody and like, whatever, not that we don't have anybody, but that we say, listen, I know what it means to like be in that space of silence by myself and not really have a one, but I've discovered that the one, the only one that can satisfy, even if you are married, ultimately you realize is God. Yeah. It's, it's making a witness because as our moral professor, Father Afanugo, will say, um, you know, just because you're celibate doesn't mean you're lonely. Because I think it's a more acute loneliness is if you are married and you feel lonely. Yeah. Like what would be worse than laying and sleeping in the bed next to someone who doesn't know you and who you don't think you love? And I think like that's a worse loneliness. But it goes to show that that's because you should seek that fulfillment in God. Now, in marriage, it's through your spouse, but you shouldn't let a human being take that place of God. So in celibacy, we're like a witness of that. We're saying it's possible. Like we, it can be done because we're going to receive that intimacy from God. Right. Yeah. All, ultimately, no vocation, marriage, diaconate, priesthood, religious life makes sense at all if we're not trying to have our deepest relationship be with the person of Jesus Christ, period. And it's just kind of more explicit <laughs> if you're like a priest or a deacon and you're not praying, trying to love God, it's like, well, this doesn't make any sense at all. So, yeah, it really is just like a sign, period. Like, man, human fulfillment only comes from God alone. And he gives us so many gifts to also have along the way. But great. Cool. Let me read you the uh, prayer of ordination. Ooh. So this is a long one. but Wait, are you ordaining me right now? Is this what's happening? No, I don't have the faculties to ordain. Okay, so these words are not efficacious, folks. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah, because there, there's some cool references. I'll tell you ahead of time. So see if you can find, um, there's like an Old Testament reference to service, and there's like a New Testament reference. Mm. Um, and I'll go into both of those. So the ordaining minister would say, Almighty God, be present with us by your power. You are the source of all honor. You assign each to his rank. You give each his ministry. You remain unchanged, but you watch over all creation and make it new through your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He is your word, your power, and your wisdom. You foresee all things in your eternal providence and make due provision for every age. You make the church, Christ's body, grow to its full stature as a new, greater temple. You enrich it with every kind of grace and perfect it with a diversity of members to serve the whole body in a wonderful pattern of unity. You established a threefold ministry of worship and service for the glory of your name. As ministers of the tabernacle, you chose the sons of Levi and gave them your blessing as an everlasting inheritance. In the first days of the church, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the apostles of your son appointed seven men of good repute to assist them in the daily ministry, so that they themselves might be more free for prayer and preaching. By praying 
By prayer and the laying on of hands, the apostles entrusted to these chosen men the ministry of serving at tables. Lord, look with favor on these your servants, on these servants of yours, whom we now dedicate to the office of deacon, to minister at your holy altar. Lord, send forth upon them the Holy Spirit, that they may be strengthened by the gift of your sevenfold grace to carry out faithfully the work of ministry. May they excel in every virtue, in love that is sincere, in concern for the sick and the poor, in assuming authority, in self-discipline, and in holiness of life. May their conduct exemplify your commandments and lead your people to imitate their purity of life. May they remain strong and steadfast in Christ, giving to the world the witness of a pure conscience. May they in this life imitate your Son, who came not to be served, but to serve, and one day reign with him in heaven. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Cool. So, do you find the two art references? No, I kind of zoned out a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one was the, as ministers of the tabernacle, you chose the sons of Levi. Ooh. So um, Aaron and his sons, those are the priests, the Old Testament priests, and then the sons of Levi, which Levi was one of the tribes of Israel. They are like the de- they were like the deacons, quote unquote. And so uh, I have the scripture reference. It's Numbers chapter three, verse nine. You shall give the Levites to Aaron and his sons. They have been set aside from the Israelites as dedicated to me. Wait, hold on. Joachim, I can't talk to you. I'm on a podcast right now, but I'll call you back later. Okay, thanks, bro. Bye-bye. Sorry, that was Father Joachim. See, see, look at that. Like He was available because you called him before. Yeah, I wanted to ask him. I was like, dude, what's it like when monks take diaconate vows because i forgot but father Kenise got back to me so i got all the information i need yeah but. um yeah so it's cool because god is like giving his law to the israelites and then in leviticus he says you shall give to the Le- you should give the levites to aaron and his sons so it's like the language in here also says like um we are, we're going to serve the priest and bishop that's one of the earlier promises Ooh. but um so it's in service so that's like the old testament um and then another reference they make is to Acts. If you're uh, keeping score at home, it's Acts chapter 6, verse 5. And it's when, um, as we knew from class, the, like, the Greeks and the Hebrew widows, like, they're not being treated equally. Mm. Um, and then uh, the apostles are saying, well, we shouldn't have to, like, do all this work with the poor. Let's assign seven holy men to do that while we, you know, uh, proclaim the word and minister at the altar. So... Uh, that's where we get the stories of like Stephen and Philip. So Stephen, we know, oh, yeah. um, was a martyr. And then Philip was the uh, guy who baptized the Ethiopian eunuch. Um, so, yeah. I love how there's just this wisdom. I think that one of the biggest occupational hazards of anyone in a service type field is kind of self-sufficiency or let me do all this on my own. And that even the scriptures in the Old and New Testament show us like, listen, we need like a team effort here. We need to delegate. Like, we need the deacons so that we can, uh, you know, divide and conquer and serve the king the best we can. You know, and maybe the harken the question like, in what ways in your life, if you're listening to this right now, do you need to like just accept that, like, man, you need to be a part of a team and let the people working with you kind of help you out a little bit and take the role that you're given. Um, that's a little pastoral side note right there. Cool. Um, so I put up my Bible because. 
there's no reference of this scripture verse, which I'm going to read to you in the prayer. Or actually, no, there is. Because it says... Uh, is or is there not, AJ? Let's yeah, see what's going on here. Correct. Um, <laughs> so it's this, let's say it continues the line I referenced before. As ministers of your tabernacle, you chose the sons of Levi and gave them your blessing as their everlasting inheritance. Um, and I found this during retreat because I remember when the tribes of Israel, they're getting all their land, the parts of the promised land parceled out to them. It says the Levites do not get that. Like they shall live off the offerings to God. Um, and so I think it's referenced to like celibacy because mm. like we won't, we won't give an inheritance to our children, but like God is our inheritance. So, so let me read you the verse. Okay. Um, Deuteronomy 18, verses 1 and 2. The Levitical priests, that is, all the tribe of Levi, shall have no portion or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat their offerings by fire to the Lord and his rightful dues. They shall have no inheritance among their brethren. The Lord is their inheritance, Ooh. as he promised them. Oh, that's awesome. So what do, you, what do you think about that? Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, I think that there's something just normal that you can accept. Like, like, all right, being celibate. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not easy on a natural level, right? There's just something in our nature that says, you know, reproduce and have offspring and raise children, all the, all the rest, you know? So like in my head, I'm like, if you're, if you're going to go be like a celibate, you know, I think you actually should like want to have a family and say, you know what? I do want to have that, but I'm going to say no to that for the sake of this other inheritance that I'm going to have, you know? And you know, Jordan Peterson, you know, I like listening to him. He, he says something that I've always thought is profound that man, there's no way of life that you don't have to sacrifice something. Everything requires a sacrifice. You know, even if you get married, you got to sacrifice being with everybody else to be with this one person. And what you just read, like, man, the inheritance, uh, you know, having God's inheritance, that's a pretty big deal. And you see that practically even when, like, you know, you go up to anybody that's a devout kind of Christian at their church and say, who was it that kind of brought you into the fold of a deeper relationship with God? And usually they can tell you the name of that person. And then you go to that person and say, who was it that brought you into a deep, you know, and there's always, like, a personal encounter with a person and that um, serving as this type of priest or deacon, you know, you're kind of investing into this spiritual inheritance of, you know, bringing people um, to know the Lord Jesus more closely. Yeah, because even, uh, you know, we'll be able to baptize, and that's like bringing children into the family of the church. Yeah. Like, they are now our brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. You know, I met the the priest a couple years ago. He came on a retreat here. I didn't know who baptized me. There's this random priest here that was on retreat, and I was talking to him a little bit, and we realized, like, oh, you're from my diocese. And I was like, oh, you were at my parish. And then I was like, wait a minute. Like, what years were you there? And he told me. So then I asked my mom, like, mom, this guy is here. And she's like, oh, yeah. Like, he that's the priest that baptized you. So I, like, met the man that baptized me randomly. It was kind of neat. That's I had cool. this, like, connection with him all of a sudden. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I checked that, the priest that baptized me, uh, but he died in 2014. Because, mm. like, it'd be cool to kind of, you know, get a hold of him, write a letter and say, hey, like, thank you for bringing me into the church. Like, as a fruit of that, I'm studying to be a, a priest. Yeah. yeah. But he died a couple years. He died, yeah, died seven years ago. Mm. Yeah. 
So, um, so yeah, dude, celibacy. It's what a gift. Um, what other type of promises are involved in this whole deal, AJ? Yes. Um, so after the commitment to celibacy, then um, it's called the examination of the, of the candidates. So this is where you say, I am, I am, I am, I am, I am, well, with the help, help of God. I'm not very good at exams, so I can say I am a couple times. Cool. So uh, let's go through the uh, the questions. Uh, my son, So the bishop would say, my sons, before you are ordained deacons, you must declare before the people your intention to undertake this office. Are you willing to be ordained for the church's ministry by the laying on of hands and by the gift of the Holy Spirit? I am. Are you resolved to discharge the office of deacon with humility and love in order to assist the bishop and priests and to serve the people of Christ? I am. Are you resolved to hold fast to the mystery of faith with a clear conscience, as the apostle urges, and to proclaim this faith in word and action as, as it is taught by the gospel and the church's tradition? Mm, uh, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> Are you resolved to maintain and deepen a spirit of prayer appropriate to your way of life and in keeping with that what is required of you, to celebrate faithfully the liturgy of the hours for the church and for the whole world. I am. And this is the last one. Are you resolved to shape your way of life always according to the example of Christ, whose body and blood you will give to the people? I am. With the help of God. With the help of God. Yeah. And that's a cool thing too I realize is, so Brother Barnabas, you already made a promise to pray the liturgy of the hours. Mm -hmm. So like if if you go to sleep one day and you didn't pray one of the hours, like it's under the a pain of sin. Mm -hmm. And so... um. Most seminarians pray the office, like all the hours, pretty faithfully. Under the um, the program for priestly formation, says a year before your diaconate, you should start praying it like every hour, all the time. Mm. So I've been doing that for a couple of years. But another kind of difference between the diocesan and uh, monastic ways to ordination is with your solemn vows, as we talked about. You already made a promise to pray the liturgy of the hours. Yeah, um, yeah. Then there's the promise of obedience. Uh, so this one I found online from a program of. I think a cardinal who is ordaining seminarians at a seminary in like England, I think. So this one says, do you promise respect and obedience to your ordinary? That's because there were men from different dioceses and religious orders, and they weren't being ordained by their own bishop. Oh. Which is totally good, totally, it's, you know, it's a uh, totally fine thing. But he'll say, do you promise respect to your ordinary? So that means whoever your bishop is. Um, what we hear most is, do you promise respect and obedience to me and to my successors? So that's the one that um, you'll make with Bishop Kulik. I'll do it with Bishop Foyes um, because we will be exercising ministry within his diocese. Mm -hmm. um, which that's, I always think that's cool because I think what happens is you have your hands folded and then he puts his hands around yours and he like asks you this. So like your hands, your life is in his hands and he's saying, you know, do you promise respect and obedience to me and my successors? Wow. Yeah, that's cool. I mean, um, I'm already thinking of like COVID like oh man I hope he sanitizes his hands before <laughs> I'm just kidding yeah I, it's neat that he just he doesn't just say like to me but to me and my successors yeah we that, talked we talked about that succession thing earlier yeah that the promises are not just to a man but to the office yeah and the office ultimately is an expression of the authority of God that you know Jesus was the one that established this whole priesthood and, and diaconate thing so yeah that's pretty neat yeah and let's see uh later on in the right I, I, we kind of talked about these out of order but one of the last thing that happens is so after that really long prayer he, this this man is now a deacon 
Um, he's invested with a stole, right? The one that goes from your left shoulder down to your right. Yeah, your... What's what's the deal with that anyway? What what are stoles? Why do we wear them? Uh, like a priest that wears it. I, I think I think I know the answer in case you okay. I, at least for a priest, I know it's a sign of his um, authority as a priest. Yeah, because anybody you know, we wore albs and cinctures for our uh, when we were installed as lectors and acolytes. So that's not a priestly vestment necessarily. Yeah. But what is the stole? Right. So I think it's a sign of ordained ministry. Yeah. Because I always thought, like, it's kind of goofy. Like, if I ask a priest, like, randomly, you know, like, if he's not in confession, like, Father, can you hear my confession? He's like, yeah, sure. And he'll, like, pull this little, like, ribbon still out of his pocket. Mm-hmm. And, like, put, I'm like, do you really need that to hear my confession? But, you know, uh, in our deacon prep class, I looked up the definition of, like, stole in our, in our like, little book. And it said that it's, like, a Roman practice that, like, Roman officials back in the day uh, would wear that as a sign of uh, authority that they had like recognized authority. So it's like the priest, you know, he's like doing his deal or whatever, but he's like saying stuff, but all of a sudden now he's like, all right, the words I'm going to say now, these like carry different weight to them than all the other words I said to you like five minutes ago. So it's kind of like, whoa, the words of absolution that are about to come Mm -hmm. and all the rest. So yeah, the stole is just like a sign of like, what's happening now is different than like what we normally do all the time, you know, entering into this like sacramental zone. Um, so he wears it even under his vestments at the liturgy and stuff like that. Yeah. So after that, um, you know, you're someone else will, uh, a priest or deacon will put the stole on you and then put the dalmatic, which is the vestment proper to the deacon. And then, uh, after this, you go back to your bishop, you know, in front of him, and then you're presented with the book of the gospels. Uh, and he says, receive the gospel of Christ, whose herald you now are. Herald. Believe <laughs> Who, who, like who's Harold? <laughs> Hi, Harold. <laughs> uh, receive the gospel of Christ, whose Harold you now are. Believe what you read, teach what you believe, and practice what you teach. Ooh, can we stop and just hear that? I always thought that's a really neat little prayer for any Christian to kind of reflect on. So say that again for me. Believe what you read. Believe what you read. Teach what you believe. Teach what you believe. And practice what you teach. Practice what you teach. I love lists. You know, of like, all right, this is the process of like point A to point B. So it starts with believe, right? Believe yeah. what you read. Believe, uh, read what you teach, what you believe, teach what you believe, and practice what you teach. Practice what you teach. So I guess like the order would be, it's teaching, or no, it's practice. You practice what you what you teach. You teach what you believe. You believe what you read. So I think this is like. Because you're holding the book of the Gospels um, yeah. while the bishop is saying this. So it's like, believe what you read in the scriptures. And then you will teach, because now you're an ordained minister, you have a duty to, to teach. Um, oh, whoops, I, I skip believe. Yeah, be, you believe what you read, and then what you believe, you have to teach that. And I think the, the coolest one is the last one, is practice what you teach. Yeah, it's kind of like, all right, if I'm going to do one thing, right, of all these, what is it? And it's like, well, let's just go to the end here. What's the most important thing of this list? Practice it, you know, do it. The best way to teach, believe, and read is to like do what we, you know, that's the end goal. Because if you like are a teacher, but you don't actually practice it, eventually your teaching, you know, isn't. What's the the uh, the quote from, is it Pope Paul VI? That people, how's it go? Um, people like in this age will only only listen to, uh, witnesses rather than teachers and they'll only listen to teachers in as much as they are witnesses. Ooh, that's a, 
thing to take home to the bank. Yeah. Yeah. So it, yeah. Yeah. I, I, again, you know, it's, it should never be do as I say, not as I do. Yeah. It's like, no, it's like, it should be opposite. Like, you know, y- your example will speak much louder than your words will. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's diaconate. So that's wow. cool. That's cool. I'm glad you guys got a, um, you guys got a new bishop. Uh, yeah, I look forward to meeting him. I don't really know yeah. him. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of neat that he's going to be the guy that's going to ordain me, I guess. Mm-hmm. And you're going to be ordained by your bishop who is, you know, getting close to the age of retirement, right? Or he, is he? He is the age of retirement. Oh, wow. So he sent his letter in on his birthday, his 75th birthday, which was mid-July. Okay. Um, so. So he, you guys might be his last class to even ordain. Yeah. Yeah. Out. And that was, that was something I wasn't, I wasn't worried about it, but I just, I wanted him to ordain me because he's been the bishop since 2002. Yeah. So I was in like fourth grade. Um, so he's been the bishop most of my life. Um, but just, I want to give him that, that honor of being able to ordain me because he's been my bishop my entire time in seminary. You know, yeah. he accepted me. Um, you know, he's given me that guidance. Um, but then also I think to be the first ordination of a new bishop is a special, is a special thing too. I think especially if he has to be consecrated first. Yeah. So it's like you were the first people he has ever ordained. Yeah. Um, that'd be a cool thing too. That's awesome, man. Well, good. Well, I'm excited for your ordination, which is coming up soon. Mm-hmm. Um, I can yep. watch you learn from you as I prepare for it. Um, and yeah, for anybody listening to this, you know, I don't know, like, uh, I think there's something uh, about just being open to praying, like, Lord, are you calling me to um, ordain ministry? You know, uh, whether it be priesthood, diaconate, uh, permanent diaconate, you know, whatever. Um, or even if, you know, if you're in another vocation, just to plant the seed in somebody's brain, like, hey, man, like, I think you'd be, you know, like I always grew up, like, you know, people tell me, oh, you're going to be a priest or you should be. I was like, ah, leave they, me alone. They were right. <laughs> but at the same time, you know, just planting seeds, um, I think are pretty cool. So really encourage you to, you know, especially if you listen to this and you're like, oh, well, man, you know, maybe my son could be a priest. I know some people get kind of nervous about that because you know, they're like, you know, oh, he's going to be lonely or I want to crank it. But man, there's something really beautiful about um, this process now that we're so close to the end that uh, just encourage, like, continue to cultivate. Hey, did you ever think about this? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Cool. Great. Yep. Um, let's see. What do Vince and Father Andy usually say? Um, check us out, Encounter Mercy on Facebook. Uh, check us out on the website, EncounterMercy.com, uh, and wherever podcasts are sold. No. Yeah, or whatever platform you listen to the podcast on, give us a good rating. And uh, yeah, if you've enjoyed what you heard, share it with others. Great. Are we supposed to do the clip? No, yeah. I guess he <laughs> yeah, he'll add that in. So uh, yeah, this has been um, the Counter Mercy Podcast with AJ and Brother Barnabas uh, signing out from Latrobe, Pennsylvania. Peace. Take care. <laughs>